0: Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. This week's episode is about the, the first half of Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse, uh, verses 8 through verses 20, and our intention is to observe the, the mindset, or I, I guess you could even say the, the feelings, that Paul has towards the churches of Galatia. Our goal is to understand Paul's concern for the Galatians, because that's primarily the, the content this passage. Now, uh, typically, when I teach, I use the ESV, the the English Standard Version of the Bible. But for this particular passage, I'm going to use the the NLT, the the New Living Translation, and a little bit of the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Just because the original Greek that this was written in, it's kind of difficult to put into English. So in an effort to help communicate this clearly, I'm going to use two English translations, one that kind of favors a thought-for-thought translation and one that deals more with word-for-word. So that will just give us a nice rounded exposure to what Paul's trying to communicate. So with that little announcement, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. This passage feels like a little sneak peek behind the curtain. As, as Paul wrote this letter, he had, uh, he had history, he had experience like, and memories and desires for the people that he was writing this letter to. This letter was the fastest and most accessible way for Paul to share his concerns, his corrections, his desires with the people of Galatia. So because of that, Paul is meticulous with what he's talking about, and, and even in like the order of what he talks about, the, the subjects, the topics that he talks about. You could almost, you could almost say that he's being strategic uh, with, with his wording. Yet again, we're, we're able to tell that Paul has a fiery passion for this group of people. He, he had put in a lot of time, he had put in a lot of personal effort to reach these people, And now that there's a threat of losing them to false teachers, there's there's a desperate struggle within Paul's words to defend, correct, and fortify the Galatians' faith. So far, Paul has given a thorough defense against specific accusations that the false teachers uh, were, were throwing at him. And then Paul moved on to offer correction to what the false teachers were telling the Galatians. And Paul camped out in this area for quite a a while. And from this clear and orderly account, we today are able to be encouraged and built up through his teachings. In fact, I I was brought to the faith through this specific area of his teaching. So even though the the meaning did not change, the, the application is able to weave its way through different situations. That's why I prefer to present studies verse by verse, because a verse's meaning is grounded in its context, and that's important to understand. But its application is able to reach throughout our different life situations. Here, let me add, though, there is a danger to the idea of creating biblical principles. Some principles are very evident to find. Others have to be found. But despite how they are discovered, we should never take a biblical principle or an application from a passage and conform it to fit into our lives. What we're doing when we do that is we're putting ourselves into the position of, of most importance. Uh, Americans especially have a really hard time with this. This goes back to an episode that we had about worldviews and and perspectives, mindsets. If we take the Bible, or just content from the Bible, and stuff it wherever we can find a spot for it in our lives, we're treating the Bible as if it's a self-help book and not the radically life-changing source of God's communication the correct and proper reaction that we should have with biblical principles and, and, and application is that we should conform our lives to those biblical principles and applications. You, you notice the difference? One is taking the Bible and conforming it to fit our lives, and the other approach is taking our lives and conforming it to the Bible's teachings. Here, let me, let me give a a practical example of, of what that could look like, just so that this is very clear. Uh, let's say that I read a Bible passage. Here, let's, let's just pick one. Let's say that I read... Uh, Kings... Uh, huh. Sure, let's do that. We'll do that. That's, that's a pretty popular one. Uh, let's say that I read First Samuel uh, chapter 17. It's the story about David and Goliath. So I sit down, uh, I read this Bible passage during my morning coffee with Jesus, and I see with my self-centered viewpoint, David kill Goliath. So I think, or really I uh, observe, wow, God helped David uh, kill his giant. So that means God's going to help me conquer my giants. And I go on with my day feeling uh, encouraged and fortified by the, the the promise that big troubles will fall out of my way. Now, th- this is an example of self-focus and self-centeredness. It, it, it could be uh, an unintentional mindset. It could be something that I've just adopted, that, that I'm unaware about, uh, that I don't even uh, just it just developed in me. But nonetheless, it affects how I approach the Bible. Now, let's use the same situation, but with a different mindset. So I sit down, and I read this Bible passage during my morning coffee uh, with Jesus, and I see with my God-focused viewpoint, David kill Goliath. So I think, uh, or I observe, wow, God demonstrated His strength through the weakness of an adolescent boy. How can God use me to accomplish His purposes? And I go on with my day feeling encouraged and ready to be used by God for any purpose that He might lead me in. The the difference in these two scenarios isn't that they were different situations. It's how I interacted and even reacted with the Bible. So all of this to say is just just be careful with how you find and apply biblical principles. Be sure that you're conforming the right thing. Are you conforming the Bible or are you conforming your life to the Bible? It has to be one or the other because the Bible, it, it, it has such a power within its pages that it will either change you or force you to change something else. So, with this idea of conforming our lives to God's teachings, we're looking at Galatians chapter 4 today. And Paul is still in his correction phase, but he's trying to reconnect an an emotional bond that he had first created with the Galatians. So, he reaches out and he says in verse 8, Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist? And now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Now, to uh, kind of remind you, Paul had just given a, a clear and well thought out teaching about the righteousness that we receive through the work of Jesus Christ. It's become clear that justification is not through personal works, personal efforts. It's not through an earthly lineage. It is only by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And the Galatians were faced with a a choice because of this teaching. They were forced to acknowledge the truth of this clarification or deny it. And Paul knew that because there was no room in his language for any other option. It was now a decision that only the Galatians could make. It wasn't a choice that Paul could make for them, or even the false teachers for them. This was something that the Galatians were going to have to accept, deny, or modify. And Paul was aware that the Galatians had a specific weakness for feeling a, a, a certain kind of fulfillment through religious practice. He said in verse eight, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. These days, months, seasons, and years were Jewish celebrations. And undoubtedly, this came from the the false teachers who were trying to make the Gentile Galatians more into proselytes than fellow brothers and sisters. But observing these celebrations, it appears to be almost a I don't know, I guess I would say a comfort for the Galatians because they, they missed the observances and practices of their old ways. Like Paul said, why do you want to go back and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? These Galatians followed the, the false teachings of the Judaizers because they liked what they heard now they 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 hadn't accepted everything that the judaizers wanted them to like the the more difficult practice such as uh, circumcision they they had not accepted that yet but the galatians did accept the the easier stuff because it was something that they were able to uh conform and and feel as a like a a, a habitual comfort and you know this this just off the top of my head, it it makes me think of Israel at Mount Sinai. The Israelites became scared of God, and they wanted to find comfort through familiarity. So they took gold, and they made a calf statue, and they're like, well, this is is our God now. (laughs) You see, they had been steeped in Egyptian culture for a long, long, long time, and the Egyptian culture had many gods, so, so this, was natural for the, this was a natural fallback for Israel. They had grown up in this. So they took the God of their forefathers and they conformed him to fit into something that was more comfortable uh, for them. The Galatians had accepted certain Jewish observances and allowed them to essentially become their righteousness. Through these practices, they felt rewarded. They felt like they were earning God's favor. But Paul shakes them awake with his words. Verse 12 Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Paul makes an emotional plea that is built up from his previous teaching of how the law was fulfilled through Jesus Christ and how the things before were but shadows of the things to come. And then he he moves to remind them of the faith that they had when he first came to them. Now, again, this is the end of verse 12. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that, that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you you took me in. You cared for me as though I were an angel from God or or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and, and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure that you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if, I, if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The, the, the emotion of these words hang heavy over the teachings of this epistle. This is who he's writing to. People who had taken him in and, and cared for him, but now give him the, the side eye, because they, f- they found teachings that made them a little more comfortable. Something Paul wrote in a letter to a guy named Timothy is, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Now, back to Galatians, Paul... Paul says in the next verse of Galatians chapter 4, verse 17, those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's great, that's all right, (laughs) but let them do it all the time, and and not just when I'm with you. Again, Paul is making this emotional plea, and then he warns them about how this, this comfort, how this, I don't know what other word to use, how this feeling could become their slavery. Verse 19, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I, I were with you right now so that I could change my tone, but, but at this distance, I, I don't know how else to help you. Let me, let me be clear. These false teachers that that were troubling the Galatian churches, they're, they're sometimes called the circumcision party, the the, the Judaizers. They, they were at fault for this, this heresy and for this trouble that they were stirring up. That's something that, they were, that they're going to have to face God about. They were the cause for this problem. But it, it must be stated that the Galatians, maybe not all of them, but certainly enough of them to gain Paul's attention, the Galatians were at fault too because they allowed themselves to be carried away with these false teachings. The Galatians appear to have, a, a, have had a, a specific weakness for earthly longings. They wanted ritualistic practices. They, they wanted to, to earn favor with God so that they felt like they were involved with their salvation. They took... The apostles' teachings and God's instructions, and they conformed them to fit their lives. That's why Paul issues an emotional plea, calling them to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ and to to give up their fleshly ways of self-righteousness. And just to remind you, these were brothers and sisters in Christ. These were people who had the seal of the Holy Spirit, who had been adopted into the family of God, the the spiritual seed of Abraham. Let me warn you, it is possible to shut up the Spirit of God who lives in you and grow in your selfishness. It's possible. We need to be so careful not to hinder the work of the Spirit in our lives. Paul declared at the end of of this passage, My dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. As their spiritual father, the, the, the man who brought them the good news, Paul had a burden for their sanctification. Paul loved the Galatians. And you can hear the passion in his words. You can imagine the time that he spent crafting this letter for them, hoping that this scrap piece of paper would bring them back into alignment with God's will. I don't know what the response to this letter was. We don't, we don't have a record of it. But miraculously, this letter was preserved and preserved for us today. And, and we are able to read it. We're able to learn from it and hopefully be corrected by it. So let me, let me say this. Make sure that you're not conforming the Bible to fit your life, but rather you're, you're conforming your life to fit the teachings of the Bible. For a lot of people... The Bible is a great catchphrase collection, but spiritual growth will be seriously stunted if that's the most we interact with it. Let the Bible guide your values. Let the Word of God wash over your mind. Let let the Spirit use the Bible to fortify your foundation. Work with the Spirit by reading and dedicating your life and your mind to the renewing word of God. I guess really what I'm trying to say is read the Bible and be willing to conform your life to it. Hey, thank you for listening today. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing that you can do right now is share it with your friends and family. Uh, share your favorite episode on social media and then explain why it's your favorite episode. Uh, word of mouth is the best way for, for this content to, to get out to people. Uh, but thank you again for listening. Uh, I'll catch you next week.